Welcome, boys and ghouls, to a very spectacular episode of the Grains and Grace podcast. Damn, to suck your blood. I just came to drink a beer, John. I don't know what you came for. I completely apologize for that. Um... Where are we right now? John, we are in a place that we have been talking about, the um, prophets foretold, those prophets being us, of a place where we could speak. Are you speaking of Narnia? I don't know. It's <laughs> not quite Narnia. It's more like a small room in the basement of my house, but, uh, but this is it. We are in our designated podcast recording we, space. We have reached. We've, we've done it. We, we have reached our peak. I think this is all we, we need from our podcast. We, We're we done, folks. Yeah. I mean, it's not Joe Rogan's studio. No. But, but uh, it's pretty good. We, um, we're, in, we're working out some sound things. It's a small space. We've got some carpet on the walls and different things. But What's this random guy sitting next to me? He's got, he's a, he's a very dark looking fellow. You know, this is a gift that I was given to me once. He is, uh, I was told he was a lucky Somo and he's some sort of island I was going to say he looks so. like some sort of weird pygmy like thing that has a curse attached to it. And yeah, I think it's kind of fun right next to my Bible and all my faith books that we have this yeah. weird little grumpy, uh, almost idol-like yes. thing sitting yes. next to me. But. I, I also like to mix my religious artifacts <laughs> at my house, so... Yeah, I like to keep people off guard, you know, yeah, like, 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 cool, I got a holy Bible next to the Dhammapada. What is that all about? <laughs> I read everything. I just try to read and learn, right? Mm-hmm. We want it all. So, yeah, this guy, he's, he's just a little creep. He's just hanging out here, just kind of staring at us. Yeah. No, he's weird. I'm glad he's next to me. Yeah. He's, Should we he, name him? Is he? Does he have a name? He doesn't. Um, what does he look like to you, John? He looks like a Frank. Frank. How you okay. doing? Yep. <laughs> Another one of those classic Ryan and John intros right there. Yes, absolutely. Well, <laughs> this is exciting that we're here. And yeah, we are, ladies and gentlemen, we are in our new studio. And it is it is really cool. There's lots of stuff that we have to do still. And so hopefully we're getting the sound issues right. But this is incredible, Ryan. I mean, I we started in it's, your mom's basement. Yes. Uh, doing this on Sundays and... And we have come this far, and we are going to keep going further. We have more and more people listening we do. to the podcast. Which I brings me to something that I wanted to talk about. I wanted to do something that we won't do every show, but I thought it'd be fun to have a little listener interaction. We're going to play a game with our listeners. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, this is something I thought about and I didn't tell you about, so just ride this wave with me, John. Okay, I'm on. I think it's fun that we just try to encourage new listenership and encourage uh, more feedback from the people that... That are out there so I want to do something different every show and for this one I'm thinking a lot of our age people they're they're on the right. Facebook as much as I hate it so I want to do a little bit of a Facebook challenge I want everyone who's listening just stop right now well not stop until I've told you yeah. what to do what if they're driving don't stop okay pull I over. don't know okay. live a little um no don't for liability reasons please pull over before <laughs> doing this but I would just like because people listen to this at different times right Right now when you're listening to it, just put a quick message on this episode post on our Facebook page. Tell us when you're listening to it, how you found out about us. Because here's the deal. Some people will do it right away. 
we might get posts a year later when someone discovers us for the first time. So I thought it might be fun to have a place we go back at yeah. and just kind of see when people are discovering us for the first time. And, you know, how they discovered us now might be different than someone who starts listening to us a year from now. So we can kind of keep a scrapbook of all the... Yeah, that's cool. I like so, that idea. Yeah. And then, and, then, and then if we see it, we'll try to give shout outs as well absolutely give us a little something tell something you like give us an idea for something you would like us to talk about but this only works if you actually play the game with us don't just sit and listen to this and not do it or nothing works and not only uh tell us when you first listen to us and where you're at but tell us what you're listening to us on whether it's whether it's spotify or anchor or apple podcasts Mm-hmm. And, uh, and 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 just send us a note as far as that goes. So, yeah, you know. And while you're doing it, I bet you got a friend. You all got a friend out there? I got a friend sitting across from me. And if John wasn't already doing the podcast with me, I would probably recommend this podcast to John. Yeah, and I would probably listen to it. So I Mostly could... because it has beer. Yeah, we could double this. <laughs> Overnight, yes. If everyone just told one, don't tell all your friends because we aren't everyone's cup of tea or everyone's uh, particular brew. But I bet you know someone out there that somebody will want to hear this. Yeah. Well, what are we drinking today? Uh, well, because beer. last week's beer was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and this one, John, I don't could, know. I don't know if it could get worse than that. I mean, how do you mess up a dunkel? So this is a uh, shock top, and they always do like weird things yeah they have some normal ones like their uh summer lot summer lemon shandies that people yeah. really like this is shock top twisted, twisted pretzel yeah that looks cool i have no idea what to expect from a and, twisted pretzel beer and shock tops a st louis brewing company right oh you're gonna test me on that one again too. i think it's a i think it's a st Lu- yeah here it is you found st it? louis missouri Shock Every. Top Brewing Company, St. Louis, Missouri. All right, so still representing uh, Missouri. Great state of Missouri. Yeah, and I love it. And I, I this is a twist off. Well, I'm John. I'm going to need you to help. Oh, that's me. right. Ryan broke his hand. Yeah, so I'm currently at my right <laughs> so. hand in a splint. So I'm getting everyone to do my yard work for me, all my household chores. I'm very so as a as a good Christian man, I'm going to do yours first. I'm going to humbly serve you. Before I serve, yeah. If you open your myself. beer before your own, then you'll be first in line for heaven. One of those right type things. But because I'm going last, I shall be first to drink. That sounds scary. <laughs> if it's bad, you're the first one to know it. Oh, I wait. Um, already, I don't even drink. Do you smell that? It smells like a pretzel. It's doesn't it? wonderful. The smell coming off of. I didn't even drink it yet. I'm smelling it. Oh my goodness, that is a pre. I, this is gonna. I already know this is gonna be good. Did. I need cheese. I'm going to need cheese for this one. You bring enough cheese to the podcast. Oh, whoa, hey, here we go. All right, here we go, here we go. Clean. What? What? I I don't get how it can taste like a pretzel and a beer all at the same time. It's like... (laughs) This is awesome. I I was afraid it it was going to be like really weird and salty, but it's... um, I'd say the only thing I'd say I was looking for was like a saltiness of a pretzel, Mm -hmm. but it's really good. Yeah, it's sort of... Oh, man. And I the smell, I'm just like... I feel like I'm in the mall. Like an Auntie Anne's. Yeah, and I'm walking past and I'm... Mmm, smell the pretzels? Mm -hmm. Man, this is is fantastic. And... I make a lot of soft pretzels from scratch. It's mm-hmm. one of my uh, spiritual gifts is yes, baking. Yes, you so make it amazing reminds me pretzels. of, yeah, the smell I get when I'm making them at home. So 
I highly recommend this beer. If you want a fun beer, this is just fun. This is mm-hmm. it's just fun to smell a pretzel well, in a beer. Even the beer bottle itself is fun. It's got uh, like a little pretzel guy with a wheat mohawk wearing some sunglasses. He's just having a good time. Yeah. Yeah, very chill. Kind of looks like me. Cool and chill. No, I'm just kidding. That's actually like the opposite of who you are. You have no hair and he has a beautiful mohawk. There's nothing beautiful about me. Oh, John, you're Come on, Frank, you're on my side. You're right, a beautiful one. That, that was Frank talking. Right. Is that how Frank talks? <laughs> he just grumbles. Well, what are we talking about today? Well, today, the reason we start with the spooky intro, I guess we didn't totally explain that, is tomorrow is... <laughs> As if we... Ha- like, people don't know. <laughs> tomorrow is Halloween, but also, tomorrow is... There's some other day that's important to Protestants. So today we celebrated Reformation Sunday, oh. but we actually celebrated on the 31st yeah. of October because... Uh, this nice young gentleman by the name of Martin Luther uh, caused a little rebellion back on the 31st of October, back in 1517, if I'm doing that. Also favorite. known as All Saints Eve. Yes. Because November 1st is All Saints Day. Day. And did you know that All Saints, uh, it, the word Halloween, is comes from Hallow Eve. Uh-huh. And it's the Eve of before All Saints Day, and that's what Halloween means. It's a very interesting, it's very hard, because I tried to look up the history of it all, Mm -hmm. and it's sort of complicated. So yeah, it started out in Celtic tradition like 2,000 years ago, where based off their calendar was the beginning, like the end of the autumnal season, and they were preparing for the winter, and they would like dance around bonfires and stuff, and then lo and behold, this group of people known as the Romans sort of invaded the Celtics and took them over, and they sort of, as Romans were known to do, sort of mixed in some of their beliefs and traditions with that original one. They would assimilate them into the empire Uh by taking bits of their own traditions, Roman tradition, and mixing it, trying to find things that would match up with the Roman traditions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's exactly... And yeah, Halloween today is such a weird thing. Which Christians it's... later did. Yeah. When, when when Christianity took over in Rome, the Christians did a similar thing. So, you know, a for instance would be the fact that December 25th, you know, we don't actually oh, know... Yes. We don't actually know when Jesus... Oh, are you going on the whole uh, Christmas is actually a pagan holiday, right? Uh, you know, I mean, that's what I'm... You know, they, <laughs> they would match up and try to match up things as, uh-huh. or, or do something like that. And so yeah. it, it, it is interesting that there's this tradition, I think, in human cultures to try to assimilate groups um, by using what they have and what they know mm-hmm. and, and then assimilating the new the new to it yeah but something very important to our church and really the protestant church in general is that on october 31st once again i believe 1517 feel free to correct me if i got that wrong that is the date in history when martin luther nailed his 95 theses Oh, it's a that's nail. me. That's me knocking the nail. Yeah. And, yeah. John is actually upset with how long I'm taking getting to the point that he's nailing up his own theses against me on 90, the podcast. Ninety-five group. reasons why Ryan's taking so long. Number one, John uh, keeps interrupting me. <laughs> but yeah, if you aren't familiar with what the ninety-five theses or who Martin Luther was, essentially they were ninety-five complaints, for lack of better words, that he had towards 
Well, it wasn't were they this, weren't they weren't complaints. No, right? you were correct. I'm correcting myself they were, in real time. They were uh, points of discussion. Yes, they were points of issue that he was trying to encourage a debate. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because for the longest time, I always learned about this being the nailing being the big part of it that right. it was really, on the door of Wittenberg. Yeah, yeah. but. Everyone nailed stuff to the church door. That was like the that was what you did back then. If yes. you wanted to get like, hey, I lost my cat, nail it to the church door, or or if you were gonna any other public that that probably wasn't the first invitation to debate mm-hmm. posted to that door that year. No, and what I actually found that was very interesting is it wasn't even Martin Luther nailing those ninety five theses to the church door that really sparked it. Because it almost went unnoticed when it first happened. It wasn't until another gentleman, without Martin Luther's permission, translated his 95 Theses into German. Because Martin Luther wrote it in Latin, which not everyone would have been reading. So that was mostly for him to build a discourse with the church to spark that debate and conversation. But it was when it was translated into German and distributed to the average folks that it really started to spread and take off. And they're like, oh yeah, that's... We're kind of ticked off about that too, and and of course Martin Luther was Roman Catholic, and that's that's what everybody was for the most part in this part of the world was Roman Catholic. Yeah, and and Martin Luther never intended to separate from the Catholic Church. No, that was not the intention at all. It was it was to create a debate to reform some things. Um, hoping to reform some things through that debate and to reform them not as like a new innovative way to do something, but as a way to go back to something that was more original to and and, to, and, and more tight, more close to what scripture is. So like exactly what we're doing here right now, trying right. to pull back the veil and actually look at what was really meaning. Yeah, because I I think that I think what the tradition that Martin Luther started, I think that there were there were points in his life and in his discussions where, you know, he didn't go far enough. Mm -hmm. Some religious groups that started at that time also would have made that same case. However, I would say they didn't go far enough. I would say some groups went too far or some groups created something weird you know it's it's interesting as we begin to unpack this because i think there's i think there's there's kind of some silly things that martin luther said too no and and we have to be honest about martin luther who i (laughs) yes i i love his theology i love the lutheran theology on so many levels but you know he said some you know when he wrote on the Jews and their lies, like, uh, that's kind of weird, Mark. <laughs> well, now, I've had some people explain that to me that, A, he was old. He was just a sad old He was man. an old... <laughs> and it wasn't yeah. necessarily... We won't even get into that, but that it was more... He had some personal interactions with Jewish leaders at the time that sort of led his way of thinking towards that. So when we go back and reread it, he wasn't necessarily speaking against the entire group but rather certain leaders at the time that he was sort of button heads with well and 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 so i mean we are really going on the weeds here but um <laughs> you know there there is something to be said too like like some of the language you can kind of there's a new testament case for i mean like when um in the book of revelation when 
when um, the, the there's a group that's referred to as the synagogue of Satan, you know, and they're talking about a Jewish group of Christians mm-hmm. that were trying to Judaize things. And, and so it's a synagogue of Satan, you know, because it's based on works. And so you kind of get that, that sort of speech, but, and then, and then there is this um, other part of it that, you know, theologically, and I don't know where, I'm not so sure the Lutheran church fully embraces this. I think this is probably, and this may be from my um, background in reformed theology, but I think there's something here to this. And that is that the church is, is Israel, Mm -hmm. right? So what happened in the new covenant is to be, uh, to be Jew, to be a Jew, one circumcised of the heart, as Paul would talk about in Galatians and maybe Romans, I think too. Every one of Paul's letters. Yeah. Every one of Paul's (laughs) letters. And so, and so I think that some people would read that stuff as, well, that's anti-Semitic or no, it's not. It's, it's. Religious. Oh dear! That hey. was your phone. That scared the heck out of me. It's all right. I got a brand new case on it. We're fine. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so anyway, so not to go off too much in the weeds, but I think that there was some some history there in that area that was anti-Semitic towards people of ethnic Jews, and I think that unfortunately that spilled over into some people's writings because I think mm-hmm. like Martin Luther, he was just so frustrated at the time that, you know, that the Jews would not, uh, the Jewish people that he knew, Jewish groups w- would not embrace Christ as the Messiah. And I think that frustrated him and then he got an old age and then he started saying some crazy stuff. But overall, you know, if, if everybody um, judged me based on just my one horrible bad action I did in my life, it's like, what about all this good, you know? So I don't yeah. think we should be too hard on Martin. Yeah, I mean, in modern times, we're thinking of like Kanye West and some of his yeah. recent statements. I don't think it was quite a crazy Kanye statement at the time as much as something that was more personal to him. Yeah. But I, you brought up a question. We'll actually talk about what I thought we were going to talk about later, but I'm very curious, having grown up in the Baptist church, Yes. the idea of Reformation, because in the Lutheran church, it was always a Sunday we celebrated it. We were always reminded of Martin Luther and like the spark of the Reformation. Yeah. How did that come into like your learning in the Baptist church? Was it discussed much since the Reformation was important to no. all of us? No. No. Um, the... And again, I do not speak for all Southern Baptist churches or the Southern Baptist church as a whole. I can only tell you what I was brought up with, what I remember as a child. Um, But no, I didn't really even know the word Reformation or understand the word Protestant. I just thought Baptists were Christians and everybody else was an outgrowth of Catholicism. Yeah, I was even, I was brought up with... um, the understanding that even Lutherans weren't real Christians. I know. I know. You should hear the jokes we talk, told about I, I bet. I bet, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I was brought up with that perspective because, because um, you know, they would say things like, well, you know, the Lutherans believe in infant baptism and the Baptists were very much against infant baptism. And therefore, if you believed in infant baptism, you were saying that a work could save you. Which, of course, that is not what infant baptism means. It's not the work that we do. It's what 
Christ does. It's what it's 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 as Martin Luther expresses is it's God's word in and with and under the water. Yeah. And it's the work of baptism. It's the what God is promised to do in baptism. It's God doing it. It's not anything we do. So as opposed um, to the work of the Holy Spirit working in and with the water, it was sort of a belief that we thought that what we Baptists and now it's making me aware other denominations might still see it that way. See that like infant baptism is us thinking that it's our works that we're doing that's bringing the salvation right. for the that, exactly. That's interesting. Yes, that's and so and so they would practice what was called um, believers' baptism. And believers' baptism is that is and so the baptism would be an outward sign of an inward change, and so it was it was just like the Lord's Supper. It was just a representation of something, and but the inward change is what counted, and and of course, um, you know, I think there's more scriptural evidence for infant baptism. Um, I don't. It's not really a, a debate. I mean, we could do a whole show on it. I think it would yeah. be a fun show to do. It's not something that I'm like, I'll fall on the sword for. I mean, if, if somebody's like, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm only going to do uh, believer's baptism. That's fine. Whatever. You know, the, the, it really comes down to, you know, Christ in your life, you know. Well, and, and, and but, but like I said, I was, yeah. The getting back to your point, I don't want to. I'm going off on a thousand trails here because this is a fun conversation. But um, getting back to your point, the, I didn't know. I didn't know a lot about Reformation, and then as I grew up and and I learned about different denominations, and I learned that yeah, a lot of this these churches would not. A lot of these groups that splintered would not have had the freedom or the ability to do that without what Martin Luther did and what and eventually John Calvin was doing mm -hmm. and John Knox, you know, all of these people who were pushing back against the Catholic Church, you know, William Tyndale before them, you know, pushing back and trying to, you know, get the Bible out in the vernacular, you know, um, that that was those were really important push. And, and, and so a group like the Baptists wouldn't have happened without that but i think to me what i see is is that the reformation i think a lot of your mainline denominations and i would consider those lutheran reformed anglican um and i may be missing one there but um mainline or methodists yeah um would trace their roots to martin luther and and have a profound respect for him well, and that's, uh, of, of I didn't course, realize... but the Baptists, I would say, I would almost say they created their own Reformation from the mainline <laughs> Reformation. Yeah. See, I didn't realize how, I've always grown up understanding it, but I didn't realize how truly impactful it was until probably I was in high school and took a world religions class. Sure, yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, my teacher's teaching about Martin Luther? I thought that was just our guy. And then I'm like, oh, he was actually noteworthy beyond just he was. our church and what mm -hmm. I thought. And then you really realize what that meant. Yeah. And you know what we still haven't done, John? We still really haven't talked about what these 95 theses were or what it was that he was trying to start this discussion on. Right. And, and again, you know, that's where we could just go over a couple of them, but, you know, uh, then I want to have a, as a sub question, like, is the Reformation still necessary? Oh, it's a good question.
So, so yeah. a lot of it, and I was reading through them this morning over oh. morning coffee. Oh, really? It's, <laughs> well, it's very read. interesting. Because when we think about it, we normally think about this thing that was going on in the Catholic Church at the time, which was the selling of indulgences, which was the idea that for a price, you could essentially pay for your salvation. So living people could buy indulgences for themselves for like an extra guarantee of salvation. To like, or buy them for dead people. And buy them for dead people yeah. as well. So that was the main portion, although there were many other points involved with it as well that were mm-hmm. coming into it. But we mostly think about it from that perspective that he was railing against this. And it wasn't just that the Catholic Church was, you know, getting their beak a little bit wet by selling these indulgences. Martin Luther wasn't upset. I mean, I'm sure he was upset with that. But the idea was that he was upset that it was giving the indication that there was a means of grace by anything other than through Christ alone. Right. Because our main thing that we always need to keep focus is that Christ and his sacrifice and his love and dying on the cross for us and us believing that is the only means by which we receive salvation and to suddenly act like there was another means beyond Christ because imagine you're a person who goes and like you know I probably better buy a few of these just to cover my butt are you really having true repentance are you really feeling the need to repent or are you just sort of you know covering yourself like well maybe just in case but and and i don't want to do disservice or disjustice to the catholic position now or then as because i know that when it comes to the view of jesus's how jesus's salvation what he did on the cross and i know that there's a a catholic view and it has to do with you know, Jesus saves us and he works in conjunction with our works, right? I think I'm getting that right. And if there's any Catholics listening, please help me get this. Yeah, yeah please feel free to comment. Um, and then the the Lutheran perspective would be um, that, that works are just this like other thing that happens when you're a Christian, but they really have nothing to do with our salvation. And, and so, I, and I could see where if you're a, and I hope I'm getting the Catholic position right, but if, that, if, if that's the position, I could see how maybe some people would bend that position in such a way to justify something like indulgences. Mm-hmm. And how people would have been primed kind of to entertain that idea as well. Um. What do you what do you think? But yeah, so it, the one thing I want to talk about is works is something that's very complicated because yeah, every denomination sort of has a different idea of how our human works kind of interplays with our faith and right. belief in Christ. And the one thing to always remember if you're trying to get inside the head of a Lutheran is there is absolutely nothing based off our beliefs that we can do on our own that will truly do any good because of our sinful nature that you know original sin inherent in us that we can't do any good on our own so our attempt at works on our own are meaningless if we were to even try it so that's why we don't believe that 
works are this important part because our works are meaningless without the Holy Spirit working through us. Right. And it sounds kind of negative, like, boy, I'm just a sinner. I can't do anything. Well, gosh, what's the... Po- uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think Paul asked this question in, in Romans, mm-hmm. you know, where he was making this same point, and then... And, and he asked rhetorically, what shall I say then? Shall I go on sinning? Mm-hmm. You know, of course not. That's no. not the point. And, and, I, and of course, I would say, too, that, that uh, a person who recognizes their, their sin and their need for Christ, you know, usually that's the starting point of a, of a changed life. It doesn't mean you're perfect after that, but it definitely, it's hard to, it's hard to acknowledge yourself as a, a sinner and call sin, sin, but then be like, yeah, I'm going to keep doing it anyway. Or, yeah. Or, yeah, I'm like, eh, it's not a big deal. Well, it's the thing that we're, we, it's to acknowledge that we are and that we're completely, you know, helpless and hopeless on our own. Right. And we really think about it through that way. It just makes God that much bigger. If we think through our belief that we have the ability to do any good on our own, that's dwindling our need for a God as a savior because right. we have any ability. The Bible says that we are sinners. That's, you know, what Romans is all about. We were talking in our Romans one study that we're all suffering from the same thing that puts us in the exact same spot. And the, the human condition, right? Exactly. So, so like, imagine this, John, imagine I come into a lot of money and my first thought is to give that money to a charity that seems like I'm doing a really good thing on right. my own. I'm doing a good work by giving it. But even that one little good act can be like polluted with all these things. I can, even if I'm doing a good thing, I can get a big head like, look what I did. I get egotistical. Right. I gave all this money to charity. Um, you can, even the good things we do are like, intertwined with this sinful sort of thorny nature that corrupts all of our actions. Yeah. And, and then I I don't know that the Catholics necessarily see it that way. No, quite frankly, Lutherans and the Catholics, we aren't that far off. Well, I, (laughs) I, I, yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, I think that and I, I want to talk about what you're saying there, mm-hmm. but I, I, I think that the, oh, man, I, I wish I, I should have been more prepared as far as, I didn't know we were going to get into a Catholic position. But we couldn't have prepared ourselves. I could not because we don't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, and I don't want to do them disservice, but I, I would just say, I think, I don't know that they would see the work itself as tainted if it's, if it's done for God they would view it as meritorious no. where we view works as non-meritorious mm. works are a natural response to the goodness that Christ has done for yes, us. Yes. But there's no it. merit in it. No, there's no merit. It's just, but for the Catholic there is mm-hmm. right. I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. And so, and so I could see, and I get their position, and I don't. Th- I don't think it's. I mean, like, I think that if a Catholic and a Lutheran sit down and they talk, I think both are going to come to the end of it saying works are good and they're important. Mm-hmm. You know, one b- might think that it's meritorious. I don't think. I don't believe that God's going. Oh, you thought it was meritorious. You know, it's like they both start with the foundation of Christ. I think where but, I where I think some people get confused is the idea that 
not that we work towards our salvation, but that works are representative of good standing with Christ. That if you see someone doing good works or someone who is outwardly always looking good, that that's automatically related to being in good standing with Christ, where we see it as just sort of a natural outpouring of thanksgiving because anyone who does good works can look good on the outside but as we've discussed in other weeks it's something where it's not necessarily a reflection of where the heart truly is well and then and so like with the reflection of the heart where the heart truly is i don't know that works really does even do that so i was raised southern baptist and they would have said this is works and that's works and Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be on faith but they would also be the first to have said if you know at least that's the impression that i was giving was given was that if you don't do x y and z you might have to question if you're really a christian mm-hmm. or that, or you, you know what i'm saying yeah and it's like well, wait then isn't that works mm-hmm. itself i mean it, it's kind of double speak and i think that i don't i don't think it i don't think works are meritorious in any way shape or form i think that that they are um, a natural response. They're a, a, an outward sign of a changed heart. But I, I think they can be long and hard to come about mm-hmm. because it's a fight, as Paul talks about, like in Romans chapter 7. It's a fight against the natural man that's happening. And it can take a really long time to work through things. Um, it can be a really long process. And ultimately, I think that somebody can... I think that if my my son is my son, he's always going to be my son, and nothing will separate him from being my son. Even if he goes out and acts in a way that's not in accordance to the way I've brought him up or what I desire for him or what I expect of him, positionally, he's always my son. Yeah. And I think that's what Christ does for us. When we have Christ's blood... It creates a positional change with God. We become his. And nothing changes that ever. Nothing cuts us off from that. And in that, we can go and act in ways that aren't becoming of the family of God, that aren't um, how God would desire us to be and all those things. But none of those things separate us positionally of who we are in God because of Christ Jesus. And the important part of that being is what in our Christian lives gives us that sonship. And as the Bible says, it's one thing and it's faith and belief yeah. in Christ that offers right. that. So it's not the things we do that you're... Or think. Yeah. Do or think. And this is, I think this is the heart of our podcast. And this is where we are at. And this is why I don't even necessarily, I don't even, want to, we're not a Lutheran pro- podcast. We're not a... We're not a Baptist or a Catholic podcast. We're we're not even outwardly. I mean, we talk lots about Christian things, obviously, mm-hmm. but I don't even want to go that far. What I want to do, what I believe is, what we are in Christ. It gives us the ability to talk about uh, these things and not, for instance, as with other Christians, to be able to talk about a subject without saying you're not a Christian if you don't think this mm-hmm. way. I don't think. That's a correct way to go about it. And despite all of Martin Luther's shortcomings later in life in some areas where, you know, we can kind of cringe, I think the part that always inspires me is that 
he challenged the authorities at the time. He went beyond what he was being told by the authorities and the powers of the church at the time, saying this is an acceptable practice. And he discovered through tackling and struggling with God's word that no, that doesn't line up with what's going on. So I don't want to say we're big like Martin Luther type Reformation theologists sitting here in a basement right. in my house drinking a beer, but I like to think sometimes that's what we're trying to do is is do what he did and kind of go beyond just what's being told and what we understand and trying to find out what the truth really is. Do you think that there are practices though that um, Martin Luther was against that one could if if one would make the adjust if one made the adjustment in saying well no this isn't necessarily dictated by God to do this or that but one could practice this as a way of encouraging your growth in your Christian life and so I want to go back to for instance like when we talked about in our worship um, episodes we talked about um, there is no single way to conduct worship music biblically, yeah. right? I mean, the New Testament doesn't say, thou shalt only play hymns no, from not. the blue yeah. book, <laughs> you know? Um, and so and so, in that study, we learned that really it's kind of open, and as long as nobody's really saying it can only be done this way or that way, I don't think people be, should be putting laws where the New Testament hasn't laid down that law. And so I wonder if there were things that, Martin Luther protested or wrote and wanted to debate or, or since that we've come under the Reformation, we're like, nope, we don't do that. Mm -hmm. But have since, like, could we say, yeah, but you could practice this. Something like praying to the saints. Okay. What about that? Is that something some churches would say you, you should do that? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Some churches say, would say you can do that. Right. And some churches would say you ought not do that. Well, and that comes into a very interesting conversation about what sainthood really means, because there, you know, people have been given sainthood after death. Figures who were important in the church have been right. deemed saints later. And my thing is, why would I want to waste my time? This is my personal thought. Right. Why would I want to waste time praying to the saints when I have 100 percent? unfiltered access, access to, to the God. creator at yeah. all times that's just the thing that never made sense to me why are you saying hail mary's when you can talk to christ directly right. why do i need mary as amazing of a biblical figure as she was to right. intercede to god for me i've got the direct line and those were things that martin luther right was yeah. i mean i don't know if he did anything on mariology or not but um I, I be honest, I haven't read the whole 95 Well, years. he was very respectful in a <laughs> yes, lot of it, actually. There were times where he still gave respect to the Pope and the authorities of the church. Yeah. Because he even acknowledged that some of the, the Pope at the time and some of the upper leaders in the Catholic Church weren't the ones advocating this practice. It was sort of the lower the ones. Indulgence. The indulgence. Yeah, the indulgences yeah. were coming down. So, yeah, they would probably, he was, he was writing it to get this discourse and this conversation. He was doing so with the understanding that, like, the Pope and these leaders in the church would also just be made aware of it and continue the discussion and try to fix the inherent problem, which didn't happen. So. Do you think that, what are the things that you think that um, divide, I'm just going to go with the Lutheran Church now, because there's mm -hmm. obviously a lot that divides even among mainline Christians 
Protestants and, and then the evan. I would consider evangelicalism, for instance, um, a whole different reformation. All right, not a reformation. Maybe you could call it that. A, a Protestant movement mm-hmm. of the mainline Protestants. Yeah. So we'll put that to the side for a minute. Yeah. I just want to say, what is keeping Lutherans and Catholics from reuniting? I mean, really, it's that I, besides the Pope thing, because I think I think that the, the Pope thing's a big one. Uh-huh, yeah. Like, that's a big one. Yeah, and I, if it really comes down to it, I think it's almost that. When you really think about the way that we approach our liturgy, our order of worship, the things we believe to be true, everything written down on paper, as I said earlier, there's not a whole lot different. Yeah, the praying of the saints and different things like that, right. but when it comes down to... Confession, absolution, they believe that you don't need a Catholic priest or the Pope to forgive you of your sins. They're just people who are announcing that you have the forgiveness of sins. There's really, I think there's a lot of confusion as to the difference. Right. Yeah, it's the hierarchy for sure. It's this, uh, you know, having people who can almost speak things and have it be as though it's a modern day word of God speaking to us. Like, if the Pope were to say something, it's supposed to be, as I understand, believe that that is second to God's well, he speaking has infallibility. Direct, yeah, speaking right? directly according, to us. According. But Jesus also, and this is where I think goes to their theology, because I think they make the case that Jesus told Peter that he was giving him the keys to heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. And this is over. called the office of the keys. Yep. And and Lutherans have it yes, we as do. well as Anglicans and of course, Catholics. The Catholics interpret that as the role of the um, Pope, mainly, right? Because uh, Peter is considered; they consider Peter to be well. We all consider Peter to be, I think, on some level. But the the first, yeah, he's bishop, the rock on the first, which his church yeah, will be built. Yeah, yes, and so and so that's kind of based on that. And but of course, I think we interpret it as. The church holds the keys, the office of the keys. And for some of you that aren't familiar with this, uh, I just encourage you to... Yeah, to what are these this, keys opening up, John? What are these? Well, there, it's... it's uh, so, for instance, um, when uh, in the Lutheran church, uh, when a pastor, when we confess our sins and the pastor tells us that we're assured of our forgiveness of sins, you know, it's the office of the keys that's um, working there, right? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? It is correct, but it gets confusing sometimes, too, because they they will always clarify they are just giving you the confirmation, the affirmation right. that our sins are forgiven. When they say your sins are forgiven during a service, the pastor is not forgiving your sins. They aren't a vessel by which your sins can be forgiven. They are just the ones there who are giving you that confirmation that because God is who he says he is, that... Your sins are forgiven through him. But that's not the Catholic view, right? I, and that's where I'm because I to say. And I am too. And I, I, I really hope a Catholic reaches out to us and talks to us about this. Because I feel like um, what I remember is that they would view a priest's role, or maybe it's a bishop's role, as the vicar of Christ. Like the literal presence of Christ mm-hmm. on some weird way that has this... A nunction power. <laughs> well, and that's where like the confession booths and things like they, I believe they absolutely they are giving you direct 
absolution of your sins right then and there. That's why that confession, like the Mm in-person confession, is so important. Right. Which we believe that and practice confession in the Lutheran Church, although we don't really... Not a lot of people want to have one-on-one time with their pastor telling them everything, although we do believe in that. Because we consider it just a... A practice, but in, in in the Catholic Church, that would have been it still is considered a, sac- a sacrament, as as marriage is even considered a sacrament. Yeah, you know, and a sacrament is something that can save you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's a means of forgiveness. Now, the Holy and I, and as I understand it, some Lutherans would consider confession a sacrament yes. as a third sacrament, besides the 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 Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, yeah, and um, baptism. Well, and the idea is that all those things are communion and baptism are all just means by which we're shown our salvation and forgiveness through Christ. We're shown forgiveness and salvation through the waters of baptism. We're shown it every time we partake in the Lord's Supper. So, yeah, anything that is a reminder to us of the Spirit working, you know, God working through a Spirit for forgiveness is is in a way a sacrament. Okay, well, can we take five more minutes? Because we're actually at the end of this episode. That was a quick hour. It was. But can we take five more minutes here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, so then I want to have one more question here. And so we've been kind of loosely talking about the Reformation. And, and you know, I don't know if there's still differences um, of why we reformed. But I think I think there there definitely was issues that needed to happen. Things yeah. that needed to change. And, and I would still say that we didn't leave the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church pushed us out. Well, there are Lutherans today that will say the Lutheran Church is the the one true Catholic Church, which is uh, just irritates people when you say that. Yeah, it's fun to irritate people. (laughs) Mostly Catholics, but... But, uh, so then what I would ask is, because like I said, I feel like evangelical Christianity in this country, which I would consider the tradition I grew up in, Southern Baptist, to be part of that, um, but also a lot of your non-denominational churches and yeah. charismatic churches and, and things like that. Do you think that they um, protest, are in protest in their own way to mainline Protestantism? And a, and a sub-question to that is this. Um, we feel like when we talk about the reasons why the Lutheran Church is where it's at today, um, uh, 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 protesting against the Catholic Church back then. And it's like, why Why are they putting their hands over their ears and just listen to our arguments that Martin Luther's saying? Are we also putting our hands over our ears when evangelicals come to us and say their points? I or do we just we, think they're really, really wrong? I don't put <laughs> I don't my know. hands <laughs> over my ears. I listen openly. Yeah. But then I say you're wrong afterwards right. because that's, um, you know what I always think about? I always think about the practice of altar calls when I think about like yeah. what's going on because we see it as unnecessary because all you need to do is believe where other churches believe unless you make that outward statement of going, you know, Isn't that a work? Going to, that's kind of the idea. It's right. just the idea that I made that choice right. to hear the word. I made that choice to walk up and receive that prayer which I obeyed. Yes, I did it. You sat in the chair while I walked up. So I made this choice. You didn't make this choice. Where it's so simple in the Lutheran church where you hear, you believe, God does the rest. And I would go to the Reformed point, Mm -hmm. and I think maybe Lutherans would say this too, but 
I would say God even did that part. Well, yes, we were actually talking about this with our youth, and yeah. um, our pastor was talking about that also. He's like, even that idea of believing, if we aren't too careful with how we say believed, right. we can think to ourselves that... It's something we're doing. Yeah, I was good enough to believe while this other person wasn't good enough to believe. And here's a good point um, when it comes to the word belief, because think about anything else in this world. You can't force yourself to believe something. No. Right? I think so, people try. Right. And so belief really does have to be something that's given to you by God. Because if I said if I said to you, you know, Brian, um, directly behind you is a pink floating elephant. Now, Crap, you know I, I look, can't right? force you to believe that. And you can't force yourself to believe mm-hmm. that. There's just no way around it. And, and you could turn around, and I I don't know why you don't see it, but it's there. You, you, you can't force somebody to believe something. You can't force yourself to believe something. So I feel like belief really is something that is a gift. Faith is a gift of God. I yeah. think Scripture says that, right? Yeah. You know? And um, so uh, I, guess, I guess that would be the heart of the Reformation too. What do you think that the faith, faith is a gift, salvation and grace is a gift. And that really was the heart of the Reformation. And you aren't buying it. You can't cover your butt for sins in the future by paying a little bit extra. It's something that's completely out of our hands from start to finish. Yes. And the reason I think that's so important as we've talked about it before is if you think that your salvation is because you heard and believed it, then that can cause a separation between you and your neighbor who God loves too. Because you can say, well, I listened and I believe, but Joe down the street did not. So clearly there's something wrong with him and there's something right with me. I am better and more loved or more chosen than someone else because. So if any time you think that any part of your faith has anything to do with you, I'm sorry, that's a dangerous, slippery slope to begin with. The idea that you just woke up one day and figured it all out. I read the Bible and I believed it. And this other person read the Bible and did it. So he must have something or he or she must have something wrong with them. Yeah, I would agree. Well, that went by fast. I don't even think we talked about half my bullet points, but they are completely non-existent and not important anymore. We didn't talk about Halloween. We didn't talk about... We acknowledged it. We didn't talk about... Halloween exists, folks. It's out there. As I thought would happen, we got into like one point of the 95 Thesis, but that's fine. (laughs) Really, if we think about it, we probably covered the first third of it which goes down yeah kind of work through it a little they're bit, awesome yeah. read them for yourself he goes through an order and like he's setting it up much like i talked about how paul you know went through romans for he yeah. has a purpose where he's kind of like sweet talk and then he kind of puts a little something in there and then yeah. puts a little something more it's it's actually a good read it's a good read if you like bullet points if you like bullet points and i love them all right well, it's been the, the grains and grace podcast and if you liked us remember you can listen to us on spotify Anchor or Apple Podcasts. Yeah, and don't forget your homework. Go to Facebook. Tell us how you found us. Tell us something. Yeah, and till then, bye.